0: Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to Your Word this morning, I pray that You touch my lips, touch my mind. Father, as we're going to look into what Paul has written to this church in Colossa, I pray that we attach it to our lives, that we learn by it, and that we make a decision today to live by what we're going to hear today. I pray it, Lord, not because we deserve it. What do we deserve? We deserve death. We deserve punishment. But by Your amazing grace, You gave us life. We call upon you, the name above all names. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody say amen. Praise God. I want you to open up in your Bibles in Colossa as we are busy studying studying this letter that Paul wrote to this church, these Christians in Colossa, in that city. I gave you a little bit of an overview a few weeks ago about the city, where it was laid, next to Laodicea. And we saw how God has actually used history in this church. Now we continue as we go verse by verse. And last week we saw how Paul was so thankful for what God did there. One of those things is the love that was amongst those people. And you remember when we walked out of this place, the call from the Holy Spirit on your heart is to be like those people, to be like them. Whenever we come to the Word of God, think what God wants to tell you today. Hopefully you're not one of those people who come in church and sit there. Your mind is all gone. It's all in a different place. Hopefully by now you're a student of God's Word. Listen, reading the Word is not cutting it anymore. Studying it is cutting the Word of God. You need to study the Word in these times deception is coming into the church the spirit of the world is found now in the church and if you cannot discern it you're in trouble and let it be known that if you're going to discern it by the word of God you are going to be the one which they're going to put aside and say there's something wrong with that person I am a fundamentalist I stand on the word of God amen and we're going to look at Paul's prayer for this church speaking about prayer I want you to read as I'm going to read this whole prayer through for you. Up to verse 12. Colossians chapter 1 verse 9. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks, listen, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. And he's continuing further and we'll finish the prayer today. We're just going to look at his prayer. I want you to notice, first of all, he says, he says, for this reason, we also. Can you see the word we there? He didn't say, I prayed for you. He said, we prayed for you. And I already explained to you that when this news came from Epaphras to that church, telling him what happened in that church and how God is graciously working in their midst, how they discussed it with Timothy and with all the disciples with him. They were so excited about that news coming from that church. The passion, the anointing of God was filling that place. When they heard the good news that God is still working through His Spirit, through His Word in people's lives. And now, after the excitement subsided a little bit, I can see them in my mind's eye. How they gather together and Paul says, Brothers, let's pray for them. Because what they're going to need in these days is prayer. Prayer, prayer and much prayer. Let me tell you the weakness of the church today is there is not enough prayer meetings. People are too lazy to pray. And in some cases, the prayer meetings has been replaced by Bible studies, yes, and with all kinds of functions and all kinds of programs and all of these things. Yet the power of every child of God is prayer. Going to God in prayer. Call upon His name. And here I find that He says, We also since we heard this, did not cease to pray. You know, I love Paul. You know why? Because he was a prayer, if you want to call it that, warrior. We are so fast-paced right now, dear friends, you can't imagine it. Even our prayer life has been condensed. I don't know how they do it. Yes, this is the modern Christian. Lord, have you seen me working last night until 12.30? Now you're expecting me to get up and pray. Honestly, in our day in life, listen, Lord, in those days there are chariots, there are donkeys, there are gravel roads. Everything was slow, but now is the new time. Listen, Father, we do this much better. We can do this all in five minutes, and we are working on it to get it down to two minutes. We're not there yet, Lord. Oh, but some says, Father, huh? You know, I've worked it down to one or two seconds of prayer. Yet here we find men and women in the old Bible who prayed and prayed the whole night long. Go with me in your Bible. I want to show you something. Paul, he says in this verse, he says that since they've heard, he do not cease. Everybody say cease. Now it does not mean they prayed for 24 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours. they didn't have a prayer uh, marathon. That's not what it means. It means that every single time that they went on their knees or they had a prayer meeting, they mentioned the church in Colossa. Father, we are so grateful for that small little church in Colossa. We thank you, Father. But this is what we're going to pray for them. We're going to ask God something for them. And they did not cease doing it. He says, we did not cease to pray for you. Turn with me to Romans chapter 1. I want to show you something. And you, you make the maths this morning. You do the maths. And see if you can do this all in five minutes. In the book of Romans chapter 1, he writes this letter, the same man, Paul, to the church in Rome. And in verse 8, we read the following, which is really interesting. He says, first, first, before anything else, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For my God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of His Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. So who's he praying for now, church? Come on. Are you sleeping now? Come on, come on. For the church in Rome. He says without seizing. So how long will that take him? You know, he mentions people's names in that letter. He says, these brothers who are with me, the ones that I'm sending back to you. He prays for their protection as they go back to these places. It was a volatile world they were living in as well. They were robbers on these roads which could kill them. He sends a letter to that church. He prays for the protection of the people taking that to that church. Then he turns his attention to the church and he starts praying for them. And I haven't got time, but you can go and read his prayer because he writes his prayers for Rome. Out in that letter. Turn over with me to 1 Corinthians. I don't hear the pages going. I want you to follow me. 1 Corinthians. Chapter 1. If you don't follow, we can always arrange a solo song for you. (laughs) I won't do that, honestly. Feel safe. 1 Corinthians. Chapter 1. Verse 4. Paul again. Now he's writing to another church. See the responsibility on this man's shoulders. Oh, but these days if somebody comes into the church and they are saved, oh man, they want to become missionaries. Father, send us to the ends of the world. We want to be something for you. All he's asking you is to pray. That's a huge responsibility. Look at this, verse 4. I thank my God always concerning you. I thank my God always concerning you. For by grace of God, which was given to you, by Christ Jesus. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter one. Look at verse fifteen. How many churches did we touch now? Two. Okay, there's two churches. And again, I don't want to remind you that when he prayed for that church in Corinth, he prayed for these men, mentioned them on their names as they go through these difficult times, walking on gravel roads. There were no BMWs, Mercedes Benzes, speed trains, aeroplanes, nothing like that. It was donkeys and food, sandals. They wore sandals, not boots. And they had to walk all the way praying for them, praying for the church. And now we came down to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. He says, Therefore, Whenever you see that word in the Bible, you've got to ask what for, okay? Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks to you, making mention of you in my... It's sounding like a long player who's playing the same track over and over again now, isn't it? Go with me now, if you would, to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. You see, we read about Paul and we we say, Father, you've used this man mightily to write all of these letters. This man spent time on his knees with the Lord. What do you expect? You want to help others? What do you expect to do? Do you expect that you are better than Paul? You have to spend time with God. Praying for others. Listen to this. Philippians chapter 1. Verse 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine. Making requests for you with all joy. How many churches have we touched now? Then he talks about Colossae. And we know that Paul had different churches. We know that he went all over. Dear friends, we're going to look at his prayer today. And and listen to this. Whenever you read about every prayer of Paul, he doesn't go like this. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for my family. Thank you for every single thing that you've done for me, Lord. Thank you for my job. Thank you. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed it? Come on, people. He's praying for others. He's putting others in front of himself. Yet this is a man, dear friends, who was the best of the Pharisees. This was a man which everybody could say, oh, Paul is coming to visit us. Get the golden cups out and the golden forks. And you know that story, isn't it? When the minister comes to visit, it's all the best. This was that kind of man, but yet, he did not pray for himself. He didn't have a bigot. In fact, turn, open up in your Bibles quickly in, in, in Romans chapter 12. We're going to get into the verses now, but I want to lead up to this. I want to show you the heart of the man. I want to show you this man's heart so that we can measure ourselves up against this man. Not to see whether we fall short, but to learn from him. Look at Romans chapter 12. Verse 1. This is a man dedicating his life, his life to praying for others. What are you dedicating your life to? Building your own empire? I'm, I'm just asking the question that comes up. He dedicates his life thinking about other people. Romans chapter 12 verse 1. He says, I beseech you therefore, the same Paul brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be proved what is the good and acceptable, perfect will of God. And you, you know, dear friends, he's going on further on in that, in that passage. He says, do not think of yourself. Look at verse 3. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. A measure of faith. This is a man who wrote this prayer to Colossa. A few verses, but I can keep you here, and I'm not joking now, for three hours studying this. I won't do this because I know you've got something in the oven, Okay. Now look at this. He says, we also, since we heard of this, do not cease to pray for you and to ask. Now he's going to put two things there. If you study the word, you'll pick up these words. He only asks for two things. He says, I'm going to ask God to bless you. And this is the way we're going to pick it up. He says, to ask that. You see the word that? You can circle it in your Bible because it makes it feel easy to understand the prayer that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding and then he comes to the second one and he uses that word that again and then he asked for all these things here and we're going to dig into that okay we're going to break it open and eat that bread who wants to do that with me okay i only see a few hands the others um we can send you out with the sunday school and you can go play games outside Now let's get into this right I'm going to break this verse up because that verse is so heavy. I can feel the heaviness of that verse. If you look into the Greek side of this verse, it makes more understanding for you. And we're going to look a little bit into the Greek. First of all, he says that you may be filled. You see that word filled there? It comes from the Greek word play not play-doh, play It comes through the Greek word playroom, and playroom means to cram in as much as you can in a small space, a confined space. That's what playroom means. And 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 the way that the Greeks taking out to make this word is like somebody who's catching fish with a net. Have you ever seen a net to the capacity filled with fish? Have you? That is what playroom means. That there's barely, barely space for one more fish in the net. It is to the capacity. If you, if you push more into that, it will break the net. This is what that word means there. He says, I pray that you may be full to capacity, to the utmost where you can't hold it any longer. A second explanation of that word is to be, to be satisfied with a full measure. Now, everybody in this room knows what I'm talking about now. Have you ever sat and ate something and you said, oops, that went a little bit too far? I'm to the full measure. I can't eat anything. It pains if I eat anything else. Is that, is that you or is it only me? I know you look at me and you say, man, he loves food. <laughs> and I do. I'm not going to lie to you. And I'll tell you, it's uncomfortable if you eat to the point where you can't have any more. And you still want to have more. But playroom means that. Now, it's important for you to understand dear friends. When he prays to God, he says, Father, I want you to fill them to the max. Give them everything you've got. Give them everything. And you're going to see what he's praying for, for the max. That they can have every single thing. You see, it's not God's desire that we just try to get a little bit as it's necessary. It's not God's desire. And a lot of people do that. They come on Sundays and they say, well, that's enough for me. I'll come and sit here for an hour and I'll listen to that and I'll be touched a little bit and I'll walk out of here and I'll go on with my life. If that's you, that's good. Paul's prayer is not going to help you. The Father wants, Paul wants, but you don't. If you don't want to take it, he's not going to force it into you. But you see, this is the thing. He prays for that full the full what? The full knowledge of His will. This is what He's praying for. And if you look into the Greek form again, he, the word for knowledge there is epignosis. Epignosis means it is the result of a practical and personal experience. It is not academic knowledge. You get so many people today, they can come to you, in man, and they can quote the Scripture verses just like that. They can even quote for you passages, paragraphs, and, and chapters. But it's all up here and nothing in there, nothing in the heart, no experience. So Paul is praying for that church. He says, Father, fill them to the max with a practical and personal experience. I walked up to the bank yesterday. I got a new credit card and I had to go and activate the pin. And I also paid for the hall. And, and this Chinese lady was sitting behind the counter, and, and she first did my work for me, very helpful, very friendly. And I started babbling a few things. Didn't talk about God, okay? Didn't talk about my faith or anything. We babbled about how busy it was, and you know, these credit cards and all these things. And then I said, "Can you please cast this check and pay the hall? Pay this hall." And she started working. And she says, "Ah, oh, I this is a church." I said, "Yes, it's for a church." Oh, I don't believe in religion. I said, well, you know what, me neither. And she looked at me because, you know, she tried to work it out. <laughs> but church. She said, wh- what job you do in church? I said, I'm the pastor. Oh, so you preach? I said, yes, I preach. And, and this conversation, she started slacking down. I can see she wanted to have more. Okay. I said, I'll give you the difference here. I say, we church, not religion, although we call Christian, we believe in a relationship. A relationship with a man who walked upon this earth, who was God with us. And I knew at that point I lost her. And I think a supervisor saw something because a supervisor started walking close and I knew that's it. My few seconds of sharing the gospel is gone. You have to walk slowly. And when people ask the question, be ready with an answer. This is what it is. It's a practical, personal experience with God. This ain't a religion. If you come here to follow the Agape Christian Ministries, you are wasting your time. If you've come here to follow a man preaching to you, you are wasting your time. If you've come here to, st- to start a relationship with an unseen God whom you don't see but you love, Peter says, you're in the right place. You need to start that relationship with Him, dear friends. A personal experience. This is what he prays for them. Epaphras preached there. He brought them the gospel. They came to repentance. They started a church. Paul got this news and he says, Father, now I'm praying for you that you give him that personal experience. Can you see how English is sometimes just poor against the Greek? Now let's continue on. I've, I've, I've got much to say. He says, Father, I pray that you fill them with the knowledge of your will. You see, what is God's will? Not your and my will, but God's will. Do you know there's two kinds of Righteousness. There is your own righteousness and there's God's righteousness. You go and read Romans chapter 10 from verse 1, 2, and 3, and you'll read about two kinds of righteousness. Two. Righteousness is to live a life acceptable to self, that's own righteousness, or a life acceptable to God. If you live the life acceptable to self, then you make the rules. If you live a life acceptable to God, then, I mean, this is logic, people, He makes the rules. The problem here is people do not want to live by His rules, but by their own rules, and it's called S I N sin. That's the problem. And now he prays, His Father, fill them with Your knowledge and with Your will. Now let's continue on. Not only fill them, but I want to f- I pray that You fill them in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. The Greek word for wisdom is the word Sophia. That means to become clearer. Have you ever picked up the Bible and you see people get excited about it and you go, I don't get it. Is it only me or is it it you as well? The, the, The only reason it's not clear to you is you haven't got wisdom from God yet. Are you with me now? Is this good teaching? The only reason, dear friend, that you can't see what they see, it's not clear to you yet, you haven't got the Sophia yet, Sophia is not a girl it's a word for the wisdom of God. You haven't got it yet. It's going to take time and patience to sit and talk to God and he's going to give you. This is why James says pray unto God for Sophia for wisdom so that it become clearer to you. I mean it, a lot of things is for me clearer now than when I started 20 years ago starting studying the Bible. A lot of things is much more clearer to me now. Much more understandable. Now, the word for spiritual, there is pneumatikos. And it's not uh, physical or carnal. If you go into 1 Corinthians, the verse that I put down in chapter 2, verse 13, you'll see Paul tells this church in uh, in, in, uh, Corinthians, he says, the things of God is is not carnal, but it's spiritual. So the, the spiritual man can discern it, he can understand it, but the physical man cannot understand this. This is what he prays for. And the word for understanding is synesis, which means to put all things together with intelligence designed from above. Yeah. Listen to me, friends. I sometimes meet people who come with, and they, man, they explain to me things, and they say, this is how this whole thing is set together. This is how the understanding, and they start teaching to me their teaching, and a few lines into the teaching, I pick it up. It's their intelligence trying to work out what it says and this is the problem these days is that people come with a preconcept idea and they read meaning into the text they read into the text and that is dangerous because if you've got one rogue professor, you know what a rogue professor is? somebody who's not true to the word not right if you've got one of those in your influence sphere that's going to influence you to read and see the Bible in their way not in God's way that's why you've got to pray for God's intelligence. Let him. This is what Paul prays for them. He says, Father, don't let them see it like Paul see it. Let them see it how you intend it. This is what he prays. And Paul's prayer is that they be filled through practical and personal experience of God's will. That's his prayer for them and for you in this place. And by putting all this together in the Spirit... That needs to be a capital spirit there. I apologize. I repent. All things are coming clearer. This is God's prayer for you. This is what God's will is for you. By experiencing Him, by getting His wisdom, all things will become clearer and clearer and clearer. And one day you'll open up the Bible and God will speak to you passages, dear friend. He will have a conversation with you like never before. I've had children, three of them. I, I, I was there every single step of their way as they grew up. When they were small, you should have heard our conversations. It was very, very intelligent. It went like this. Gooby, 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 goo goo Oh, that's intelligent because they speak back. They go, And then you get, you get old people, grandpas and grandmas coming. Tweet, 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 tweet. Ha, gooby, gooby, Oh, look at it. He's laughing at me. Ha, you understand? Every word I'm saying. Yeah, we'd love them. They are beautiful our children. But can we have an intelligent conversation while there's no words formed in their minds? No. The only conversation we have is love. Is when you pick them up and you nurture them, you, you cuddle them. That's that's a language in itself. But it becomes intelligent once they start learning words and grow up in words and putting things together. That's when it becomes clearer to them what we want from them. I want you to sit there, not there. You understand what I'm saying? Come on. Sit there. They can understand the words are formed. But when they're a baby lying in a cradle and you say, Come on, get up there and go and lie down there, they don't understand you. It's not clear to them. I mean, even if you talk to them and say, Come on, stand up, I want you to go there, they're gonna go. <laughs> There's no intelligence. It's the same with us. When we are born again, we're like that baby. And he, through his knowledge and wisdom, has got to make it clearer to us. Let's hurry on. Are you enjoying his prayer? One line. One. (laughs) And now people want to tell me that book, that book that you call a Bible is worthless. You want to tell me it's dead? It's too late. You can't fool me anymore. It's clear to me now. I pray to God every single day for you. Listen, dear friends, I told you in this place that there's not a week that goes past that I don't mention your prayers in uh, your names in my prayers to God. And this is what I pray. I say, Father, make it clearer to them. Make it clearer to them. Now, why is this important? First of all, because God's people has always been destroyed by a lack of knowledge. Always. Go read Israel. Lack of knowledge, bang, destroyed. You, lack of knowledge, bang, destroyed. I've heard some witnesses from you, testimonies from you yourself. It's because of a lack of knowledge. And dare I say it, if you find a church which is moving away from this Bible, only preaching one verse, singing for an hour and preaching one verse... And and dare I say, dear friends, because I come from both sides of the fence. I used to preach topical. I'm not banging it. There's very good topical preachers. But, dear friends, line by line, verse by verse, here a little, there a little, the whole counsel of God's Word. You need to understand every single passage in this book. Let no one come to you and give you one verse and build a whole theological explanation about it. Put it in chapter. Put it in the book. Put it in context. So, this is important, Isaiah chapter 4, verse 6. He says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Why is this important? It's important because of our rebirth and becoming like Christ. When we were born again, God didn't born you in the spirit and say, There you go, you've made it. No, dear friends, there's a responsibility. You have to grow. You have to grow. Honestly, I can think now of names of people that, that, that are born again, but you know, when you talk to them, there's no growth. They can't talk about what God's done. They can't go to the Word. There's absolutely results, nothing. Now, this is it. When I put food on the table, and you come and I invite you, you know, we've prepared the food. My lovely wife has put in effort and effort in there. She's worked so hard. And I've worked out. You know, I kept the company whilst he was doing it. So when we put the food on the table, we've done everything we've done. Whose responsibility is it to eat the food? You know, I'm not going to come over to you and say, open up a mouth. You eat it now. No, no, no. It's your responsibility. It's the same in this way, dear friends. You have to eat what God provides. It's your responsibility to grow oh, we don't like this church because the teaching is not good there. <laughs> you know, yes, it's true if they... I'm not going to go into that. I've got teaching to do. But it's true if there's, you know, there's this people who do not preach the Bible, Bible and believing. To so get out of that. Get into a church that preaches the Bible. But if they do preach the Bible and it's there on the table and you don't eat it, don't blame them. Blame yourself. There's so many burgers, that Burger King and, 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 and what, what's their name, the other one, uh, McDonald's, are throwing away night after night because people don't buy them. They just don't buy them. I remember one night we were, we were in full-time ministry. I want to testify this, our God's goodness about it. We were in full-time ministry. There wasn't a lot of money in the bank in New Zealand. I had, uh, I think at that stage, three children. We came back from a, from a home visit. We shared the gospel with somebody. The tummy was crying out for food. And we went up and we just had enough money to go up to the McDonald's. It was late at night. We shared the gospel. I think it was something close to 12. We drive through the drive through and we came up to there. We stopped. We've worked out exactly what we can buy. Just a burger. You know, these kiddies burgers for each, these cheeseburgers, $2. That was what it was, $1.50. Around about $1.50. Work. Quickly worked our sums out. That's a meal, 12 at night. 12 at night. Think how we're going to sleep after that. But anyway... We stopped there, we ordered these burgers. And the guy came up to me, he says, man, you know what, we're closing down nearly quick, it's nearly to close down time. You want more burgers? And they just gave us burgers, man. They just gave it to us. It wasn't only cheeseburgers, it was the the Big Mac. It was, I I don't know how many Big Macs. I mean, we ate until we had capacity, okay? You get the picture. It's important for us to be filled with his knowledge of his will and with his wisdom because we are becoming like christ colossians chapter 3 verse 8 but now you yourself are put off all these anger wrath malice and all those things verse 9 do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge you see that according to the image of him who he created Only one sentence that Paul prayed to God, but his heart meant all those things. God, give them every single thing. Now if he goes on with the second that. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, for all patience, long suffering with joy. What is he praying for? He prays for them to walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to God how do we do that we do that by walking in faith walking in faith when those difficult times come to you that's when you're pleasing god if he looks down and he sees my child is walking by faith he trusts in me to walk after his spirit and according to his word word remember enoch enoch walked with the lord and he was no more you remember noah Noah was found, he had righteousness in front of God. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all of them made mistakes in their lives. But when God looked at these men now, they walked according to the Lord. After the disciples got through their troubles, Peter, John, James, all of them walked worthy of the Lord. And we find Jesus Himself when He walked on this earth, giving us an example in John chapter 8, verse 29, where He says, For I always do those things that pleases Him. Translate it into our language, Pastor. It's easy. If you have to go into a place and you say, Jesus, the place where I'm going in now, you're not welcome there. You wait at the door. I'll go in. I'll have my fun there for a few minutes. And when I come out, you can walk with me. That's not walking worthy of him. Fully pleasing of him. He prays for them to be fruitful in every good work. And I can go on now about the fruit of righteousness, dear friends. The fruit of repentance. Luke chapter 3. When they came to John the Baptist. and, And they say, what shall we do? He says, stop stealing. If you've got two jackets, give one to your neighbor. Stop being selfies fruit he says father i pray that there's fruit amongst them we had a testimony about my sister if you knew about that take out your jacket go give it to them those kind of fruits good works good works after the cross father i pray that they'd multiply amongst them let people walk in there and know that that's a church that cares for other people is that you this morning is that you this is his prayer for them and then he prays for increasing in the knowledge of God. There's two kinds of knowledges he prays for. Epignosis, that experiential knowledge. But this knowledge he's talking about, it's the knowledge of God. His nature. Do you know God? If somebody asks you, who is God? Can you answer them? That is to open up your Bible and start reading about Him. Do you know that God has got different names? Jehovah Nissi. Jehovah Nissi means God is my banner. That is His character. That's who He is. Jehovah Rohi, He's my healer. That is when I go into trouble, that He heals me. Jehovah Shalom, God is my peace. That's all the different kinds of natures that God has. Are are, are you getting excited about this? Is, Is your heart a fire for God right now? If you think about the things that you don't know yet and you can learn them, You know, this gets me. People come to me and they say, how can you keep on going on? You've got a full-time job and then you've got this. Dear friends, how can I not? How can I not go on? (laughs) You know, I go through experiences in my life and every single time as I grow older, I see another attribute of God. I just saw it this week. You know, we were flying over the Tasman and we hit some gravel road. Who knows there's gravel road in heaven, in, in the sky, it goes like this. They call it turbulence. And I saw the person, a big fella. You remember last time I told you this was a big guy. Holding on to that seat, man, I can see the fear. And I said, Father, Jehovah, Shalom, you are my peace. If this goes down, praise God, I'm with you. Just protect my family. You see, this is what, this is what he prays for them. You know, I can see Paul in my eye. I can see him crying out to God and say, Father, let him not just slip down this road. But I pray, Lord, through every single thing, give them that, give them that hunger to worship and serve you. But it's lost. It's lost in translation and time throughout throughout ages. But not for you, you. Because you're here this morning and listening to his word. Listen, he prayed for the strength of all might. This excites me. Not only does he pray for all these things, he says, but Father, strengthen them with all might. You see that little word there? According to your glorious power. This is where the word of God fits in. That Greek word for the word might there is the word dunamis. Dunamis. When I saw that, I got excited. Because then I understood why Paul prayed this word there. Because in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, But you shall receive power. You see the word power there? Guess what Greek word is for the word power there? Dunamos. He says, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And did this happen in Acts chapter 2? It happened. The power of God came upon them. The dunamis came upon them. And here he says, Father, I'm going to pray for that church in Colossa that your might come upon them, your power, your dunamis come upon them. In other words, Lord, not by might, not by power, but by your Spirit. I pray for your Holy Spirit to lead that church. I want you to listen this morning. This little fellowship here, it cannot be led by a man. It's got to be led by God's Spirit. God's Spirit. Let me say this. Your life cannot be led by your ideas and your brilliance because age will get rid of that in due time. Yeah, go yes. and ask funny and sunny, they're working in the old age home. It is meant for all of us. You come to a stage when your mind, you know, I've got to say this you know, sometimes I become forgetful. <laughs> I know my wife tells me, Have you forgotten that? And I'm only 43 now. I know I carry my years very good. Thank you very much. But <laughs> but these times, these times, and go. Oops. You know the mind is. It, listen, people, you're looking at a dying man. I'm over the edge of my growth years. I'm over the edge of being strong. You know, I could, I could fight off my two sons in their teenagers easily, just like that, Francois, just like that. I took them on. I played basketball with them. I beat them down 50 to zilch, games I'm talking about, okay? They couldn't touch me, but now, have you seen my boys? <laughs> I'm over the edge. I've, I've reached my pinnacle. You know, I'm running harder now to get the weight off. You're looking at a dying man, dear friends. We're not growing in strength, we're going down now. And now I understand the more and more I'm getting older that I need to stand on God's might. I can't stand on my own might. But you tried to tell it to the young people? "No, Dad, honestly, come on. We've got a whole life ahead of us. but praise God in His might and in His power, and He prays for patience, long-suffering and joy. Now let's finish off because he doesn't, that's not ready. You see, did he ask anything for himself in that prayer? It's all about them. Then he says in verse 12, giving thanks to the Father. Never, never forget to thank the Lord God for what you've got, dear friends. He says, thanking the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of an inheritance of all the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. Hallelujah! I didn't hear that, so I thought I'd say it myself. (laughs) Praise God. And to us in the kingdom of His Son, of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin. The forgiveness of sin. He thanks the Lord... And you see things, this is, the, this is the attitude that needs to be in us always. This was in him. He wrote to Thessalonians. He says, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God. There's a song that we sing like that, isn't it? Yeah. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus concerning you. Give thanks to the Lord always. Give thanks to Him. Give thanks to Him. It's a difficult day. Thank you, Lord. I've got problems in my house. Thank you, God. For problems? Yes, because you are learning through those problems, dear friends. He thanks the Lord. And why should we be thankful? He says we should be thankful because He qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Who qualified you? Jesus. Who? Jesus. Come on, people. Who qualified you? Jesus. Did you qualify yourself? You can't. You see, you just can't. It is impossible for you to qualify yourself. That is why you can't stand up here and say, oh, I'm such a bigger Christian, bigger than you. And we've all heard that in our lives, didn't we? When you talk about other people, you go, oh, but that guy's a big Christian. And I'm looking at him and he's a skinny guy and I go, big Christian? He's a skinny guy. He's a small skinny guy. How can he be a big Christian? I understand what they want to say. I understand, dear friends. But you see, dear friends, He qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. You know, I did a study on this word light here. And you know what it means? It means a vessel which is cabled, which has got the capacity to hold light. If you go back into the ancient studying and the ancient uh, uh, meanings of that word, you will find that this is what Paul was holding on to. This is what he thanked God. He thanked God that he made us partakers us to be able. Listen to me. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 4, says, In him was light. And light was eternal life. It says that in 1 John. In him, Jesus came to the earth. He was, he had the capacity in him to carry the light. The light in him. This verse says here. That he qualified as to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints, which is eternal life in the light. In other words, when you got born again, listen, when you got born again, you will then be able, dear friends, to hold that light within you. You are the carrier of that light. This is why Jesus said when he was sitting on on, on the Mount of Olives and he was teaching them, this is why he said, a light can't be put, a bucket over it. Yeah? A light's got to be shining out to others in the world. You see, dear friends, I hope you see the picture here. There are so many things in the Bible. I can go back and keep you for three hours here about. Just one word. There's a whole teaching in that. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. He says, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is how He made us partakers. This is how He qualified us. By this, this verse here. By His abundant mercy. Mercy has begotten us again. He got us in the Garden of Eden. Sin came in, and now He begot us again. See the picture. Through whom? Through Jesus Christ. From the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last days. Is that how you say it? This guy from Iran, he can't touch it. Yeah, that's why I don't like your Bible. Why should we be thankful he has delivered us from the power of darkness? Ephesians chapter 1, 2 verse 1. And He made you alive who were dead in the trespasses, trespasses of sin. He mentions three powers of darkness in those verses. Look at them. He has made you alive who were dead. Who knows that dead is darkness? He made you alive from dead in trespasses. Who knows that trespasses is darkness and sins is darkness? In which you once walked according to the course of the world. That is one of the things, dear friends, which he delivered you from from the world according to the prince of the power of the air you see that there who's that satan lucifer so he delivered you from lucifer the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience amongst whom you also once conducted yourselves through the lust of your flesh there's another one he delivered you from the lust of your flesh if you walk in the spirit if you walk in the spirit fulfilling the desires of the flesh of the mind, you were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But, sharp contrast, God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love, which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Finally, why should we be thankful? Because He transferred us into the kingdom of His Son, of his love in whom we have if you've got a new king james version bible it's wrong in this verse in king james got it right you see the new king james version says he has transferred us into the kingdom of the son it ain't the son it is his son yeah it's a one word but it means a lot why because look at this he transferred us into the kingdom of his son the kingdom belongs to his son if you want to hit Israel, be careful because that son is coming back and he's going to set up the kingdom of King David's throne on this earth. It's coming. thousand year reign. After he returns, after the battle of Armageddon, it's coming. Coming to a city near you. Not near you, no. Israel's is a little bit further off. So, in whom we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sin. Wonderful prayer, isn't it? Has He excited you this morning? Has the Word of God spoken to you this morning? You see, friends, this is a responsibility on us. Pray for others. This prayer of Paul must be one that we ask for ourselves. I pray this prayer over this church. I pray, Father, every single person who walked through those doors. Lay in my mouth the words and in my minds the words to be the teacher and to teach. Yes. But anyone he can raise up to teach. There's no specific person. Secondly, I pray, Father, for your knowledge of your will. For your wisdom of understanding. Then I pray for all those other things. And then I thank the Lord. I thank Him for the things He's done. He's done for us. It must also be a prayer that you pray for your brethren. For other people you know. Christians. Pray for them. And may God bless you in that. And I pray and hope that God has spoken to you this morning. Let's all stand.